Hello and welcome back to the Last Place Fantasy Football Podcast. I am joined today with just Josh. Um, Ryan yep. is doing adult things. He's free. Things. <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's, he's all. He, he will be back in the next one, though. So next time you see Josh's beautiful face and beard, it will also be accompanied by Ryan's beautiful face and beard. So I don't have... Yeah. Uh, yeah, a beard. Uh working um, working on it. Working on it. No. Neither does Ryan. <laughs> but um, well shots fired five yeah. seconds. <laughs> Josh. Five seconds. But, but, but you Josh, know, tell uh, him what we're talking about, man. Yeah. So uh again, Ryan's doing adult things, but we are happy for him. The man is he he'll be good to go. He'll be back soon. But today we're gonna talk about, well, running backs. And the especially more specifically, the rookie running backs and tight ends. But most uh, importantly, it record. is fantasy football draft month. Yep. Welcome to rookie, yeah. Welcome to rookie month. Rookie month. Let's go. Hopefully yep. you haven't drafted all of your rookies yet because we're people are just now getting content on. So yeah. if you've already drafted and like drafted right after the draft. A big whoops on your part. I've seen some interesting people going in the first round. I I think I like it that we do our rookie drafts afterward. Oh, like we take some time away from the draft to do the rookie draft because that helps yeah. us at least our stances. I feel are more firm to be like, no, I really believe in this player even after a, like a month or two months post draft. Like but essentially you, after like rookie camp. Like, exactly. About what do we like from camp? Because I'll tell you what, I'm glad we didn't do the draft right afterwards because if we had Traylon Burks would have been way higher last year. But then you you take a look into camp and you're like, it's like, oh, this, yeah, like Traylon Burks would probably could have been the first, like, you could have made an argument right after the draft because of opportunity. But with how hyped he was, yeah, too. With, yeah, with how hyped, yeah, with how hyped as well. And then as soon as like some rookie reports came out, and then the more people thought about it. It's like no, 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 no. Let's we got hey, still, but yeah, let's. Garrett Wilson, Alave, and uh, Drake London, and Drake London are still much higher on the list, right? But we're, I think we're going to start with with running backs. Yeah, so we are. We are going to get off. Yeah, we're going to start with running backs. By this point, you have probably seen our main big board, so you kind of know who's at the top who's not on the list that you might be surprised about because we kind of just did a relative top 30. Um, I think we should start off with by who's not on our main big board and just kind of give a kind of a quick rundown of like our some of the things that we have major concerns about. So our last running back on the list is actually one uh, is, sorry, as I bring up the list, Abraham? No, so well, that's for the running backs, but Charbonnet is technically our last one rated on our uh, on our Ah, main big board. Yeah, the people that matter. Yeah, so the main running backs you might have uh, have thoughts about as far as rookie draft, we've not put on our list, and we're about to give those reasons why, and because they are all in tier four for us, which is Ty J Spears, Sean Tucker, Eric Gray, Deuce Vaughn, Dwayne McBride. Tank Bigsby, Kenny McIntosh, and I put Muhammad Ibrahim because I thought he was pretty good coming out. 
Uh, apparently, he hasn't. He still hasn't signed with the team, so that's so. Doesn't look great. Yeah, it doesn't um, look great. <laughs> Not Josh good. Is, Bob. the season, everybody. Uh, we knew it was coming. Sooner yeah. rather than later. Yeah, and so I, th- I think, I think we could just go down like each person and kind of just talk about it. So like Ty J Spears, um, drafted to the Titans as a third round pick. I feel like the big reason why we didn't have it the list is I have him on our list is because the Titans have King Henry. That's that's first reason. And two, they're going through such a transition and either it's going to be right now or within the next three years mm-hmm. to where I think Ty J Spears can get definitely lost in the shuffle to where as far as fantasy relevancy is not really there. Right. He would have to have a supernova like couple of weeks for him to be looked at as a long-term option. And so because of the long-term option, I didn't have him very high. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that's fair. It's not that he's like a bad player, you know, that I don't like the skill set that he could potentially bring. I mean, it would help a lot for Tajay Spears if the King gets traded, but... Even then, Ty J Spears is is not a bell cow. It's going. It's very dependent on receiver work for Ty J Spears. Yeah, because here you go. He's five ten, two oh one. So he's in the eighteenth percentile for weight, the thirty sixth percentile for height. I mean, he has good hands, but I mean, yeah. arm measurements, mid arm span, mid forty he's, times he's, four he's, five he's, four mid. For lack of a better word, he's a tiny guy, and that's yeah, something. He's a small. He's a small yeah. running back that doesn't have breakaway speed. He's shifty in space, but I mean, yeah, he's not who I'm taking. Yeah, me neither. Um, so let's let's bring up a couple people here out of that out of the list. I mean, Eric Gray is a fine pick, but it's Saquon's team, un- until otherwise, like that. To me, I don't. I don't see much there. Sean Tucker apparently he fell all the way out of the draft, mainly due to medicals. Um, I know the Bucks have always said they're very high on uh, Rashad White, with Rashad White and Sean Tucker, two very different skill sets. And even then, they've talked about bringing Zeke in. So if that's the case, um, that is a committee I am not a fan of for either players. And Sean and Sean Tucker again, like Tajay Spears. It has to be a, a supernova impact for him to kind of consistently stay on the roster. Probably my favorite, my favorite pick, just because of opportunity, and I, I think the story behind it is really good. Is Deuce Vaughn? Uh, he was he was a, a six round pick to the Dallas Cowboys. His dad's a scout there, but make no mistake, if uh, Toby Pollard's not, yeah, so he's the he's the definition of tiny. He's Darren Sproles. The one seventy nine. Yeah, he is the re. He oh, is the, he's five, five five. Yeah, he's the reincarnation of uh, whoa of of Darren Sproles. However, the tape he plays a lot bigger than that. I think he's. I think he can be very good and very serviceable. And he's one to keep your eye on just because we don't know fully the status of uh, Tony Pollard. Ooh. Yeah, but, like his sophomore season rushed fourteen hundred yards, and senior season rushed fourteen hundred yards. Yeah, so if he, so 
he's one person who's in tier four for us right now. Um, so we kind of have him in our average tier, but I would not be surprised if he shoots up just based off opportunity. Because yeah, I mean, Ronald, Ronald Jones did. doesn't scare me, and then Tony Pollard, who knows how the ankle is. He did help K-State be relevant this last yeah. football cycle, which is saying something. Yeah, it is very much saying something. And then Dwayne McBride, Tank Bigsby, Kenny McIntosh, depth, 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 and more depth. Right. Because everyone else there is like, there's already an established guy. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of tough when, like, even Achain, you know, in Miami, he's got competition. Sure. I mean, just as a little foreshadowing, Charbonnet has competition. Sure. You know, even I Dwayne mean, Pride is competition. Tank Bigsby, competition. Yeah. Um, Kendry Miller might be a, a shocker. So he's so he so we're let we're gonna get to him very quickly. Um, yeah, just just as then, an overview. Yeah, just a, as an overview. Start. We should yeah, start let's start. So, just before we start, we told you all of those guys are our tier four. That's our average tier. Now, it, anything beforehand, just to kind of give everyone a quick rundown again. Tier one is our fantasy superstars. Tier two is our very good fantasy players. Tier three is our good fantasy. Yeah, potentially making it impact. Tier three is our, they're good. They're not great, but, but good maybe still helps. Years. Yeah. Maybe in a couple of years, tier four is average. And then tier five, we leave those. We actually, they are, shall not be named. We, we look, send them to the blue factory. Absolutely. So, but let's talk about our tier one. We got two running backs in, in tier one. Um, let's start with one. Uh, who was picked with the eighth pick in the in the entire NFL draft? And that is Bijan Robinson from University of Texas. Gets drafted to the Atlanta Falcons as our resident Falcons fan, Ethan. You've had some time to think about the role of Bijan. How do you feel about it? Yeah, honestly, I I really don't know because um, it's Arthur Smith we're talking about, and he just does things that no one really plans for you know like last year kind of going into the season the talk was like man the the Falcons O-line is so bad and now you drafted this rookie and like if you play him it's going to be awful and you know this is like one of the worst teams in football and then they came out and smashed everyone in the mouth so now you're adding another threat into that so I mean it's going to be interesting to see how he's used I definitely don't think he's going to be a bell cow I see a lot of people like, oh, Bijan's the guy, like abandoned ship on Algier. I would say go ahead and and wait on that because there's things that Tyler Algier can do that Bijan isn't built for. I mean, he's 5'11", 215, so he's not a small guy, and he plays very aggressive. But, you know, a lot of what he did at Texas was kind of running outside and, and waiting for – blocks to develop and just kind of burst a lot of, a lot of wide zone i would say right right a lot of wide zone not you know really running in between the tackle hey go get me three yards they want to set him up to be a home run threat yeah and i'm i am so happy you mentioned that because i think that's the one thing where it's you you immediately make that comparison but the more you have to dive the more you dive deep into it you more you realize they're not really the same player at all and I, and I think I think Bajan's going to get used 
not very differently compared to uh, what Texas did, but very differently compared to him and Algier. Well, I mean, yeah, like I think he's going to be in this. You're going to see him in the slot. Yeah, you're You're going to see him him running multiple, simple, granted, but multiple different route trees. I can totally see a 21 personnel. So, like, for example, Drake London, Matt Collins on the outside. You get John New, Kyle Pitts. And then you can mess around and have Bajon and Tyler Algier on the same field. I I think that's the that I love its subtle versatility that the Falcons kind of went for, because let's think about it. Pitts is your wide receiver tight end hybrid, even though he's listed as a tight end all the time. And then they got their actual tight end in Johnny Smith, but who's still a really good receiver option. And now you get someone who's the what running back wide receiver mold, but he could just he could he's just a lot bigger with Bijan. And then you still have Algier who can run your your power gap schemes really well. It just right. lets it just lets your offense do more because that's more time in like install during the week where you go, well, you have to get ready for zone. You have to get ready for power and you have to get do all these different schemes to prepare during the week. Oh, right. by the way, Bajon can catch the ball out of the backfield. Well, what I think is really dangerous, too, is it's constantly rotating fresh legs in depth. So- so I yeah. definitely I think if it everyone's thinks worst case scenario 50-50 timeshare, I'm in the mold of you know what that's actually better because the best ability is availability. And and so like obviously like Derrick Henry is a like an athletic freak who can take all these carries and we and everyone imagine Algier kind of in that same role. But no, if you have two people split up, they're going to be available for 17 weeks. And I think that I think Bajon is going to have he still has the speed and he still has the quickness and cuts to I mean, where he can turn something out of nothing. And then the, the Algier speed, is very much a power back. The speed isn't that elite. I mean, it's no. good. It's not like he's slow. He doesn't have very good. Long he, speed. In the NFL, he will not be he someone get who caught. takes at 80 yards. Yeah, he will get yes. caught. In the NFL, he will get caught, I think is the best way to say it. Not, you know, that he's not a great, you know, player and whatever. But that's what's going to happen. You know, let's be realistic yeah. here. He's not, man, like, what a smashing pick. And, like, he's going to do the same things he did in college. He's going to run through all these people and be consistent and pass blocking. He's like, well, he wasn't blocking, you know, uh, De'Aaron Payne. No, he he wasn't blocking some of these bigger guys, a Bosa or, yeah. or anyone like that. He he never played against somebody like that. I, I I just think yeah, he never, especially in the Big Twelve. The, the closest he may have gone to was Bama, and even then, yeah. there's a couple people on Bama. And I'm like, ah, there. It's not it's not the the uh, Deron Payne of of yesteryear. Uh, did but play, did they play Georgia? No, they did not play Georgia. They played uh, Bama early in the year, and so was... the best that he would have gotten would be Will Anderson. Yes, the best he would have seen would, would have been Will Anderson. Yeah, because the last time they played was in 2019. And so even that, then, that's not e- relevant. Even then, I would say Texas's O line was all right. It wasn't. It's not going to be to the level that the Falcons' O line is, and that's something oh, I also yeah. want to bring up. Is like you're mm-hmm. everyone's kind of like glamorizing by like. By Jean for what he did at, at UT, and then I go, "Hey, it may look just as good with it, with because with how good the Falcons' own line is." Yeah, and let I mean, here's like Arthur Smith 
is definitely a run game first kind of guy to where, oh, there's going to be a lot of creative things. So personally for me, he is still 101, no matter what, because the the passing work is going to be a bonus, but his quickness and his sh- like sharp cuts and the and his vision is going to get better. It will adjust, take a little bit of adjustment period, but his vision was so good in college to where I can only see that getting better in the NFL to where he is still going to be relevant. It may not be your ADR touchdowns, but man, he's going to be able to do 15 for like 135 because he's averaging like like five plus yards a carry. I, I don't think he'll get that much volume. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna split it up pretty decently. Yeah, um, I think I, I think it's closer to 50-50. I think I expect Algier to get more just in terms of they're gonna be in a lot of short yardage situations. And I would rather have Tyler in to pick me up third and one than Algier or than Bajan. Yeah, yeah I, I th- and I again I think Bajan's gonna be used more in the passing game than Algier was. But this is personally where I'm saying I think there's a legitimate chance because there's really no fullback for Atlanta. So I personally expect... I mean, it'll pretty much be Tyler or a tight yeah. end like Johnny. Exactly. So, like, I personally expect it to where we're going to see a lot of two running backs on the field. So, but, like, the, the opportunity so will big, be there. Though. They're both so big, they can both block for each other. Exactly. You know? Yeah, and I th- I do think Algier is going to get most of the work in the beginning of the year, and then once Bijan figures it out, it will be a wave of Bijan. So yeah, I think I th- it'll be closer to 50-50, but I, I don't know. Yeah. If I, it also depends on how Algier takes it, I think. If he takes it as a challenge, and he's very consistent, very good, I think they might they might keep him just because he's – He's that dude. He really is. He yeah. showed it last year that he is just that dude. I don't yeah. expect him to abandon him anytime soon. I, I think that's the that would be the best problem to have because if in that case, Bijan's super versatile and you can use him in different ways. It, like mm-hmm. almost putting him in the Algier box is kind of disrespectful to his game because there's so much more he could do. Well, Even they, though they, Algier does his box really well. Things. Like honestly, they do two completely different things. Exactly. Wants to run you over. Yep. And then Bajon wants to make a cut or follow a block and get an open space. Yes. And then get so, you know, it's two different games. And that's what's so frustrating as a defensive coordinator is you, that's so you much extra work on, you have to do. Yes. So you plan on like, all right, awesome. We're going up against Algier. You know, they're going to set up a lot of power and, you know, we got to be really disciplined and watching the guards and where they go. And then fill in the hole. Well, then it's like if if you have both of them out there at the same time, it's like, well, they can run power, they can run wide, they can pitch it, they can throw it, and then both running backs can block for each other. So go ahead and just take a guess, guys. Just try and read the field. And it's like, yeah, and that just opens. What are you going to do? That that's only going to make Ritter's job easier, especially who right. if you have two extremely ver- uh, good backs. And they, you can do a bunch of things. So, like, so if you say, even if you go Algiers the power guy and the zone guys Bajan, if you have them both on the same field, that means you can do both at the same time, and that keeps the guesswork. Sorry, that keeps the guesswork on defensive coordinators. Like, it, there's still a lot you have to worry about, and that's not even including Pitts, Drake, London, yeah. 
John New, Matt Collins. And it's, it's only going to make Ritter's life easier there. And and so that's the thing too. Like there, there's going to be no excuse for Desmond Ritter this season, which comes yeah. with its benefits and challenges. But, you know, with all of the players, like you got to look at Drake, you got to look at um, Pitts, you got to look at Bajon and Algier. You got to look at and respect Cordero Patterson too, if he's out there somewhere. So no one's looking at Ritter like, oh yeah, like we've got to do this against Ritter. They don't have the luxury of that. There, there's yeah, too much on you the certainly field don't. you have to account for. Yep. And that also, I think, makes Bajon's life easier as well. And that's going to help. And even if he's not getting the, getting the ball, if he's at least on the field, that's only going to help like shorten the learning curve. And yeah. so that's where I think it's like, again, Bajon's still our number one player for us. The Fal- like e- I think to the Falcons, I feel like we're way more optimistic than a lot of other people, even if it's a 50-50 split. I mean, I, I think it's going to be fine. Um, I think it's it was praise due to the Falcons for, you know, helping Ritter be as successful as possible because he needs the pressure off of him. Yep. Because uh, he's going to be a build. You know, he's not going to be elite as soon as they step onto the field. He's going to gain traction as the season goes on. So if his job is easy and all he needs to do is trust the guys around him and, you know, help them to have confidence in him, that they should be in a good situation this year. Yep, they definitely and, should be. With that, let's let's go on to the next one. Let's go to the next guy because th- there is a lot of transition that happened with this, and that is Jameer Gibbs, who a lot of people were shocked that he was taken with the 12th pick. I am personally I not shocked. shocked. I, I personally wasn't. But I, I am, love Jameer Gibbs, but that, yeah, that was a bit of a shock. Yeah. Yeah, it's it for me the only reason why I'm not shocked is that you get one season under a pro like pro style scheme under Bill O'Brien at Bama. And with so now with the Lions who have one heck of a creative offensive coordinator, and now you have a running back who even though even though they've talked about this little hybrid with the running back receiver, he is still one play away from having an 80 yard touchdown. Yeah. And that talent usually gets picked way earlier than you think. I just, I personally love it that it wasn't like, like some, like the Raiders at seven or something like that. Then I would have probably said too high, but at 12, based on the, the like offensive talent left on the board, I totally understand the pick. I love the pick. I mean, I, I'm also the, way higher I mean, on they, Gibbs than everyone else. They could have done it. Th- they could have, but I think, I think that's them still believing. They still have, like they still have Marvin Jones. Jamison Williams will come back eventually, and I maybe maybe a third receiver messes it up. I also see JSN and Amon Ross St. Brown kind of being stuck in the same role. And I think maybe mm-hmm. that's that's the issue because they both excel in the slot. So, and I don't think you were going to take an Addison or a Quinton Johnson at 12. So, like, Gibbs, yeah. to me, works in this situation. Um, he, it's so, not the worst thing. No. It's not great, though. Uh, I mean, let's, let's bring up the reason why we have him in Tier 1, largely because the news of, oh, hey, it's a running back wide receiver hybrid. To me, that only confirms that it's like, yeah. hey, they believe Gibbs is CMC Eckler. 
to where, yeah, he's going to get some carries, but his threat is in the as a wide receiver, which if you watched Alabama this past year, if things were stuck, they went to Gibbs. And like Bryce Young went to Gibbs. And I think that speaks volumes of having that expertise of like, one, you know, you know the position well enough to where you're doing it at Alabama as a transfer. That's that's a big key to number one. And then mm-hmm. number two, that the fact that usually, I mean, we've seen waves of wide receiver talent go to Bama and they said, mm-hmm. no, the running backs, the like the better option here. And I mean, I think he displayed it really well. Obviously, there are there is some coaching up to do, but that versatility, trading Swift, adding David Montgomery, it I think the role is set for uh, Gibbs in Detroit to where he will be a fantasy star, top five running back. Book it. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think he's going to have the opportunity with it being him and Monty. You know, Monty has injury history. So there's a lot of opportunity to get him onto the field immediately as a wide receiver. Um, and I like him. I, I liked him at Bama. I liked the player. I was really hoping he was going to go somewhere else. But I do think it'll work in Detroit. I, I just don't believe in Detroit, I guess, is my bigger thing. But he's definitely a first-round pick. He's definitely going to contribute in fantasy. Yeah, He should be taken in the top four picks. Without a doubt. I think especially within the top four, you may have different positions of need. And I think Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud could definitely fill that need. But yeah, if you but if you have a quarterback already, yeah, if you have a quarterback already, I, I'm i okay with Jameer Gibbs at 102. Like, I, I really am. And I think just that versatility, that's the one thing the Lions do. didn't have but last year even with swift they do have now if he can at least if if he stays healthy i mean the lions could be very interesting this year i mean all the time we are like okay tell tell me why it isn't going to be Bijan. but all along it there they were all in on gibbs yeah they they sure were and uh is it a chain time i think it is a chain time i i think i mean you already know why Bijan Jameer Gibbs are tier one. We're going to get into our tier two, basically our very good fantasy players with, let's start with Devin and chain because you could not have put them in a perfect spot. Yeah, I do. I loved him at AM, and I think this is a good fit in the Dolphins as well, especially with what they're already doing in the run game. Uh, I think the Shanahan nice wide ball. zone was built for yeah. Devin and chain. Yep. I mean, super fast guy, super elusive. He's going to have two great role models to learn from to further develop his game. You know, they can bring him in day one as a receiver to help them out. Like he, He's just a very promising guy, especially if they have any injuries in Miami. Yep. And, I mean, it's very possible. Thankfully, Jeff Wilson, Mozart really didn't get hurt last year. But based on past few years, yeah, you kind of have to prepare yeah, for that. Especially but, Mostert. but especially even Mostert. especially Mozart. And they would lose a massive speed element if Mozart got hurt to the where now, now, Devin and now, you have it. Yep. So I think that was their insurance of like, all right, awesome. Really glad the wheels didn't fall off last season. But... 
Let's not hedge our bets here. Yeah, regression to the means, always. It is all about average, okay? People operate on a comfortability, a fundamental middle, and you will always lower yourself or elevate yourself to whatever that average is, okay? It is a universal fact. Yep. So if you have a guy whose average is he plays this amount of games before he deals with insert injury, that is always going to be the case. Don't know why. Don't ask me why. It is how life works. Yeah. So we're just going to operate under that notion. Yeah, and I, that is a that's a foundational piece of knowledge. What Ethan just said, as far as how we feel, especially when we look at our fantasy like rankings or and, anything and it's to that matter. True. Yeah, it's, it's very true. Always true. But it, it, I, I love. I love Never Chang. ceases to. I know you're a little bit higher on him, so I'll let you kick off with whatever you. So a chain. So a chain. I actually was not that high on it, but granted, I think the only reason why I'm super high on him is now the fit, and I think if he were stuck in, like for example, if he went to Atlanta at some point, definitely mm. would not be on as, as high on him. Yeah, it's just because I do think he's very much like stuck in a scheme. To where it's like, I think the wide zone is the best way for him to maximize his possibilities compared to a Jameer Gibbs or Bijan to where it's like, eh, they they can be more scheme versatile than a chain can be. However, if a chain gets to Miami, we have to talk about this because he will be lightning in a bottle legitimately. Yeah. And and now now Miami, it's like, good luck, good luck defending this track team. Like, absolutely good luck. And I think in terms of like fantasy, it's not a surefire, you know, he's not a tier one guy, but he's someone you can look out for on the waiver wire. If you ever see an injury come through, he's someone you can throw on your taxi squad yeah. and have hope for like there, there's a lot of potential there. I will say the moment he gets over 10 carries, get him immediately. Yeah. Or, because or close to it. I'd say even if he's getting like eight, eight to 10, you th- yeah, I think that's fair. Because the thing is, it's like usually it's like you're gonna have that trial period, and there a chain probably has a lot to learn. Even though that is he came from a Jimbo Fisher scheme, that is very different compared to what McDaniel does, uh, McDaniel slash uh, Shanahan. So there there will be an adjustment period, which luckily Jeff Wilson and Mozart are there. However, he is someone to look out for late in the year personally because i think the dolphins may rely on him especially if they're pushing for a, a playoff contention but they want to save uh jeff and uh mozart a chain could be used especially if he figures it out and to be honest there's nothing there's nothing stopping me from saying he won't figure it out yeah and uh, uh and with that Let's shift over. Let's to I think that's going to be a surprise. So Mike, so it probably is a surprise if you saw it in our big board, but I kid you not, this one I believe in my bones, and that is Chase Brown out of Illinois gets drafted in the fifth round to the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, so he's, he's almost eerily similar to Joe Mixon's build. Yes, eerily similar. The but Bengals, he's an athletic freak. Yes, he's insane. Like, like, 
I didn't. So how I did is I watched Chase Brown first. I was like, all right, cool. I like it. And then I got to the measurables and went, wait, excuse me? <laughs> yeah, you know, 5'10", yeah. 209. So he's a little bit lighter. But I mean, hands. Hey, hands, yeah. 44, and, four, you know, that's right where you need him to be, especially for like a 210 pound back. And, and you have to be a tough back to run in that. I think Illinois is bred by Lima, right? Yes. The old Wisconsin coach. Yeah. So you, you can't just be a regular dude. Like you have to, you have to be kind of crazy and tough as nails to run in that scheme. And w- at worst, Chase Brown right now is the Samaj P. Ryan role, which means he's relevant, like tier three. Well, I think he's going to take over. I think he's the starting running back for the Cincinnati Bengals because they have to get cheaper there in order to pay Jamar so, Chase, Burrow, and T. Higgins. Just just as an understanding for his athleticism, this is where he, he ranked in comparison to other running backs. So his... 40 time was in the 87th percentile. Solid. His 10-yard uh, drill was in the 83rd percentile. Solid. His vertical was in the 96th percentile. Pretty stupid. That's crazy. His broad jump was in the 93rd percentile. And his bench was yeah. in the 89th percentile. So so a lot of our your most important, like I would say, like the 10-yard split specifically, and even with like the long speed there, like he, he has it. He definitely has it, and I really do. I really like the not only the opportunity, but the fit and the fact that he could do it all um, within that Cincy offense. I definitely think he's the heir apparent to Mixon. I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. I think Chase Brown is someone that you definitely have to look out for. If he's, I don't know if he'll ever hit tier one because of that offense that he is in, but make no mistake, mm-hmm. the floor might be tier two. And if that's the case, sign me up. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll only get better. Um, what will be difficult for him is he's not going to be a very good pass blocking back. That's the, but his, yeah, that's the rest, the rest of his skill set is good though for what they're going to need. In Cincinnati. Yeah. So that's, I think that's the one thing that's keeping them, like, that's keeping Mixon there because he is definitely, he's definitely he's a aggressive. way better pass blocker he's, he's than aggressive. Chase Brown right now. Yeah. So that, and even, and even then, between Samaje and Joe Mixon, it was always Samaje as the pass, uh, the pass, right. uh, blocker. So it's the, I think they're definitely going to work with Chase Brown on the pass blocking part. That might be one thing, whether that's going to get schemed up uh, to at least help him in that scenario. But I think everything else, I don't care the, with the fact that he's a fifth rounder. Honestly, if this class wasn't so good, he probably would have been a third. Tyler Algier was a fifth rounder. Yeah, Tyler Algier was a fifth rounder, but he clearly, I think he clearly has it. He will be a mainstay for the Bengals for at least his rookie contract. Yeah, I I think he's a good project for them. You know, I'm not going to say he's going to step out and and be the guy. You know, it might take him a little bit to adjust, and he might not adjust. You know, you never know. But um, I, I definitely think in terms of what they're used to in that offense, he can make an impact. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as far as impact, let's get to the next person because yes, this might be sooner than later. It's going to be sooner than later. That's Kendra Miller coming out of TCU, drafted eighth pick in the third round to the New Orleans Saints. 
our big reason why we said he is someone to look out for is because Alvin Kamara's days are very numbered. Yeah, I, I mean, he's... I think the, the right way to characterize him is he's just consistent, you know? Yeah. He's got good size. He's got good speed. He's got good yep. hands. He's got... He, he's just good at every... You know, he's not like Bajon where he's elite at something... But, you know, he can use his side and speed really well. He can block yeah. in the run. He can he's catch very, the ball if you need him to. He's kind of – I'm not going to say they're the same player, but he, it's very much kind of like Brian Robinson to where it's like he's not elite yeah. at, at anything, but he's really – he's good at everything. Yeah, it, exactly. And even though, I mean, um, Brian Robinson had more power to the game than Kendra Miller, but Kendra Miller, I mean, you've seen what they've done um, with – that system and what like even Kamara has done to where it's like okay he's not going to be used like in just one role and because of that and with the looming suspension of Alvin Kamara most I think we'll get that this year I'd be shocked if it delayed on for another year there's the opportunities there about it but I really think it's coming soon yeah I would not be surprised I mean I feel like another interesting thing, we haven't even talked about the schedule release yet, but um, well, obviously, yeah, Saints didn't have any international games. I wouldn't, but, um, yeah. but we do get Jacksonville and yeah. Atlanta in London. Uh, we also, uh, Jacksonville and Buffalo. Yep. Uh, the Jacksonville has two London games because apparently yes. they're a big but, yeah, favorite. They, yeah, because they always had the London games when they were yeah. bad. They're they're built for it. <laughs> Jeez, but uh, it, no, I mean, that's yeah, gonna be a fun year. On disappointment. So the Jags are the perfect team for them. Yeah, no, it's gonna be that's gonna be a fun year with the Bills. Uh, that I like. I like the games they picked this year. It, it's very good. But, um, yeah, that's that's Kendra. There, there's yeah. not too much to talk about. He was part of the TCU elevation. Uh, he'll be very good. I think a good transition out from uh, from Alvin Kamara. But yep. yeah, let's go on to Rishon. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, so Kendra Miller, tier two. I think if you gr- get him second, third round, you're you're going to be just fine with him. Oh, and, and quick note too: all these tier two guys are low tier two, so yeah. essentially meaning. Things would have to fall into place in order for them to be fantasy contributors. Yeah, like there's – and it, when we explain that, we say as like scheme fit is a big reason. Like yeah. the players themselves, like the scheme – that has to get married together and thus the opportunity. We, yeah, I mean them. we like their skill. We like their skill. We like where they're at or we like what could potentially happen with them. Yep, Based absolutely. on the combination of the two. Absolutely, but, I, I think that's a that's a great thing to remember because I totally forgot to include that in the context. So let's go. Let's go to our oh, next guy, Roshan Johnson, Bijan's backup. Bijan's number two gets drafted fourth round to the Bears. I know I am a lot higher on Roshan than maybe besides a couple people. I mean, the, the opportunity is there. I, I don't love him at face value, but, you know, he's a, he's a big dude. He's a physical yeah. dude. He has a lot of different skill sets. And, uh, again, Herbert's uh, a guy that gets injured. 
or yep. yeah, Khalil Herbert gets injured. It's just he's going to miss a game or two. So it's yeah. all about what he does with that opportunity. I, even then, I think Roshan is a even more like he's a a different skill set. Like he is the, that power back to where yeah. I I think what they might they might do the whole like uh like thunder and lightning like situation like having yeah. fields as your speed guy with like Herbert and then I think they have Deonta Foreman as well so it's it'd be Foreman yeah. and Roshan Johnson even Foreman has kind of dealt with like some injuries even like lat like last year was a like a big year for him but I definitely yeah. think Roshan has. Like he's sneaky good. I think if Bajon wasn't at Texas, Roshan, we'd be talking about Roshan a whole lot more. And oh, so that, and he doesn't have the wear and tear that Bajon yeah, does. That's true. That's and true. to where I think if we're talking Roshan Johnson potentially as a starting running back for the Chicago Bears, yeah, one hundred percent that can happen. So I mean, worth noting, like it is important because a lot of people don't understand this. But with running backs, they have a finite life in terms of how many hits that they've taken before they're done. So when we say wear and tear, we mean, and even Bajon surprisingly doesn't have that much because yeah. he only really played his sophomore, junior year, and then now he's been drafted. Yep. And his freshman year, he didn't take that many hits. Not Yeah, not but really. Ideally, in a running back, you want them to take over their junior, senior year and go off. And not play before then, just to save their bodies because the hits add up so fast. Like if Especially, you look at he yep. he played all four years at Penn State, and then all of a sudden his second year or second or third year, boom, you know, he ACL. gets that big, yep, boom, ACL gone. That's from that wear and tear playing four years college, and then I, I think it was two. I think it was his third year that he tore his ACL. So. Se- second year was ACL, third year was the ankle. This past year was, uh, the, fourth, was. the fourth year, and then the the non exclusive tag was put put on him. So, but uh, it it adds up, man, and you got to be very very careful. I mean, um, that's I think this is the this is the perfect discussion to have. This I think the the running back position overall is going through a committee transition to yeah. where to where you the workhorse running back of like yesteryear like your adrian peterson's your even your derrick henry's to a certain extent like that's a dying breed and so like versa scheme versatility is such a like a bigger almost i would say talking point rather than the volume someone could get because you're not going to get the 20 30 carries anymore you have to be able to be like CMC and Eckler to go, no, I can catch passes out of the backfield. I can be a receiver mm-hmm. if I truly wanted to. Or you're going to be stuck in this 50-50 timeshare to where RB1 and RB2 are going to have to be like really good players. Right. Well, because if you think about I want to make two points really quickly. Yeah, go for the it. The first one being data that has been out for the longest time has said what for fantasy? You know, you kind of see the relevancy drop off for wide receivers at 28. You see the relevancy for running backs to drop off 24, 25. So you're telling me two, three years in the league, you see that value drop off for them? Some four, depending on how young they are? I mean, that's insane to think about. So the second point I want to make is when you have that that committee approach, you know, number one, it's saving those hits so that you're setting them up for success. 
in the NFL. I mean, you're you're prolonging their their health. But also, yeah, in their careers. But it's like what I was talking about with Bijan in terms of if you can always have fresh legs, that, that's not going to do anything other than help out your team and your chances yeah. at winning. 100%. And, I mean, the best ability is availability. So the fact that there right. are, like, two very capable backs, like, in a lot of these situations, like, like Atlanta, Bajan, Algier, two very capable backs, Lions, Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs, uh, I mean, Dolphins, a chain, Jeff Wilson, and uh, Mozart. The Bengals are, is kind of the most interesting one because that's Mixon, Chase Brown, potentially Travion Williams. Saints, yeah. that gets interesting as well. Mark Ingram, but, Ingram, yep. Ingram, Kendry Miller, and then we'll see what happens with Kamara. Um, Bears, Khalil Herbert, Deonta Foreman, now Roshan Johnson. And, like you have to commanders. have. Don't forget about them pesky commanders. Yep, the pesky commanders. Uh, Brian Robinson, yeah, I mean Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson. Ravens got uh, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins. The Patriots at, had at one point Damian Harris, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, and so like the workhorse back is not sustainable. Yeah. So if they're well, to, so to give- that's. Oh, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. So, that's what, so, I mean, like, my final point would be, like, don't be afraid of the fact that, like, and there's another player we'll talk about here. Don't be afraid that there's two very capable running backs on that team. Is because instead of having elite elite game, like, say, an elite 10 games in the 17-game season, you're going to have a very good 17 games out of the players, and that's still going to put them in that elite category. Right. So one last analogy before we go to the next back, but, you know, think of your running back like your axe when you're when you're trying to cut down a tree, you know, instead of just swinging that thing and letting it dull, letting it blunt, letting it, you know, crack and then going out and getting a new one in a few years. If you spend the time to take a couple swings and then stop, sharpen it, keep it fresh, keep it taken care of. And then go back to swinging it. One, you're going to be more efficient because it's fresh. Two, it's going to last longer because it's not dealing with the same amount of wear and tear that it has been. And and that's what people, I think, haven't realized until the last few years. Because they're like, man, I love this axe. Like, I'm just going to keep swinging it until I break it. And then I'll go get a new one. But now they're realizing, man, like, actually, it's way more efficient for me to keep this thing fresh and, and tooled than to just constantly try and replace it. Yeah, you don't run a Lamborghini into the ground. Exactly. Exactly. So let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next person because I think, uh, speaking of our axe analogy... I don't want to talk about this. This is all you. I don't like this. Yeah, so I I just think it's a better scheme fit. It's 100% based on the scheme fit. uh, And that's Israel Abanacanda out of Pittsburgh to the Jets. I think the speed is... And uh, you can't ignore it. Now, the reason why I ha- we have him low tier two is because of this. And that and that the fact is Brees Hall may not be ready by week one. And it's Brees Hall insurance, essentially. So a band of Brees Hall can do basically similar things. Brees Hall is 100 percent the bearback. Let's not get that confused. But it does make a band 
much more capable of a backup running back than Michael. Yeah, potentially than Michael Carter, Michael P. Ryan, or even um, Bam Knight. So, like, it's again, it's just more swings. I think the Jets were really upset that they lost that speed capability when Mm -hmm. Brees Hall went down last year. And to where I think that there's a potential to keep four running backs on roster with Bam Knight and being like Michael Carter, Michael Carter's backup, and then Abanikanda is Brees Hall's. Um, so that's why I think Abanikanda 100% has to be like at least in the back of your mind. I wouldn't take him till like round three, even round four of, of rookie mocks. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I am not saying take him round two because I think Roshan, Kendra, Chase, and a chain are way better options. But yeah, I think I the, poten- the potential's guy, there. Yeah, potential's there. Chase, Brown, and Kendra. Yeah, you could make an argument for Roshan, but I think oh, that's based off right. need. No, no, uh, you, you can't. Not, not yet. Just with Deontay Foreman there essentially being yeah. in his role, he's got to fight for that job first. Yeah. And, and I would even say he, I would say even Amanda Kanda, I think his day one impact is going to be more than our next guy, but long-term impact would not our last tier two guy. I can see having more of an impact. Yeah. So, and let's get to it. So we got Zach Charbonnet. From UCLA, drafted 21st pick in the second round to the Seattle Seahawks. And he I, so, reminds me of like a James Conner. Yep. Look, my, my only issue with Charbonnet is that he was in college for a while. He did like he did like bounce around a couple places. So I'm hoping the wear and tear is not bad, but he is a very good back, make no mistake. But more importantly, I think this speaks about Kenneth Walker. We all love Kenneth Walker. Like, he's a tier one dude for us. Um, I th- or Okay, Ethan. No, I, oh, I, we I, all, I, yeah. I love Kenneth. <laughs> I was going to say, we had a whole episode about this. I kept but... saying Kung Fu Kenny. Like, that's my guy. If yeah. I haven't made that Yeah, Kung Fu Kenny. But, um, but let's, let's make no mistake about Kenneth Walker. He was hurt beginning of the year and was hurt hurt in the middle of the year and he was hobbling by the end of the year i think what this shows is just that i i kind of put this as the player notes is don't be afraid of him splitting reps with kenneth walker because both being available by week 17 is the true victory here yeah and i think so charbonnet is going to be involved yes it's not the starter role that you imagine for either of them but they're still going to be very good. They're still going to be very capable. That offense is extremely capable. Well, if anything, it's more of a benefit to Ken Walker than it hurts because yeah. what hurt him is he was the primary back, no breaks, no rest, and then he missed a couple games, which one hurt his fantasy value, two hurt him as you know a, a yeah. person as a player in the NFL. So providing a little bit of help, a little bit of you know pain off of him to prolong his season is good for Ken Walker. Exactly. And because like the, the, the times Kenneth Walker really hurt your fancy team was when he couldn't play. And it's so crazy how that a, works. Yeah. Crazy how that works. It's like, you can't, it's like, you can't score if you can't play. And 
So that's where that's where Charbonnet is still tier two for us. He's going to be involved. Yes, it may not be in the work the workhorse back consideration. That's okay. Workhorse back is dead. Let it stay dead. Yeah. Because now we're getting players for like longer like for for a longer period of time because they're not taking so many hits, and I'm personally okay yeah. with that. So yeah, I mean, I think it helps the game of football. You know, it makes it more entertaining and the players that you like at the running back position it prolongs their life exactly and, and that's, that, that's a good thing that's the that's the name of the game for uh for running backs honestly and i think especially with this year especially since a lot of teams are moving towards that 12 personnel the running the ball is coming back 100 percent. and the, the more i think about it the more is having two really good backs like i really think what separates there's two things to me that separates a good back, a great back, and an elite back. Like the big thing is scheme versatility, and the next thing is how good your O line is. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think with especially how deep this class is, and and for some of them, like a really good O line, like Falcons, Lions, Seahawks, uh, even Dolphins to a certain extent. Like it only. Like, are you going to be upset that they didn't score 20? Yeah, but 18 still really good. Right. Let, let's get into tight ends quickly. Yeah, we... let's get into tight ends. Speaking okay. of the 12 personnel, we there is not much to talk about tight ends, honestly. Um, this was deemed as one of the best tight end classes yeah. within a decade. And I still agree, I still agree with that notion. Now, I, when it comes to with fit and fantasy impact... Obviously, I just tight ends. so much with yeah. the first one, but I let it slide because y'all agree for some reason. So I'll, I'll go ahead and let you talk. Yeah, also, uh, yeah. So I think the fact let, we're going to start with Dalton Kincaid because I think that's this is where it gets very interesting. Dalton Kincaid was my number one tight end. Personally, for me, it's the closest thing to Kelsey that we have seen in a while. Um, and I'm not counting Kyle Pitts in that category because Kyle Pitts was freakier. Like that's he's a class of his own. Yeah, class of his own. But Kincaid, his ability to get open, like he really took over in uh, intermediate routes at Utah. The fact that the Bills traded up for him speaks volumes to what they want to do. And they want to live in 12 personnel the entire time. Because I think they saw the three receivers really killed them. And and that's fair. And because he has Gabe Davis, like obviously he had that. They say it's like, oh, he had the ankle sprain, but he kind of didn't get the job done and then on yeah. top of that mckenzie didn't get the job done so you're signing cole beasley in the middle of the season and then we'll see what happens to khalil shakir but don kincaid i think speaks like it that puts gabe davis and khalil shakir on notice and then knox and dalton kincaid like kincaid is way more the receiver than uh, the dawson knox is to where don kincaid could be the slot guy personally yeah, I, I'm just worried about him becoming touchdown dependent. And I think that's why I'm I have him lower for me personally is only because yeah. of the fit. And no, Josh Allen yeah. has never been a tight end guy. Never. He, yeah, he's yeah he has never he has never been a tight end guy, but he's he always been run. a yeah he rather run he rather rip it. Again, I I've brought this up multiple episodes in the off season. I think the basically if. You almost learn the lesson if something almost happens to you rather than something does happen to you. Right. The, the Bills almost lost Josh Allen this year. 
Yeah. They almost did with the UCL injury. And I think they realized that they went, oh, crap, we can't leave Josh Allen out the dry. And personally, they have to find ways to, to run the ball better to where they don't have to use Josh Allen and right. to where they can keep at least the play versatility to where a lot of teams are like, we're just going to go cover two until the cows come home. And so that's why I think the Kincaid pick is such a big deal. It doesn't take away from Diggs, but Kincaid might be touchdown dependent. But I think a lot of your intermediate stuff, especially with what like Cole Beasley was doing or Shakir or McKenzie, that's taken up by Kincaid now. Yeah. And to where that's why I think there is a small chance he gets relevant year one, but especially year two is when he is going he's going to get noticeable. I think. I, I mean, it's it's possible. Um, we'll see what happens. It, it comes down to coaching for him. I think that because he has all the skills, it yeah. has nothing to do with talent. Is nothing to do with how he plays the game of football. Great player, great everything, great size, everything you want to tie in. Yep. But it comes down to how do they use him? Yep. It it really does come down to what the Bills um do with him in that regard. But I would still take him at the end of the first round redraft. Yeah, yeah, and I and we said end of first round. I think he's definitely in a really good spot there. Speaking of really good spots, let's talk about our highest yes. tier two tight end. Because, this is my favorite guy. Yeah, I was about to say, Ethan, this is your guy. I let you have the floor. Yeah, Um. so our second guy that we have is Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. Um, not really elite anything when it comes to measurables. Uh, he's 6'4", 249. Uh, so a little bit smaller, but I mean – hands like here, here's a stat for you uh the average qb rating when michael Mayer was targeted at notre dame was 106.7 that's the kind of talent that he brings to your team as a receiver he's a security so, blanket it, exactly so he honestly reminds me more of that like kind of kelsey role with all the tight ends than kincaid does just because you can always trust him that he's going to make a play if you throw to him and that he's going to catch the ball. I trust Michael Mayer. So he, he's going to a system where he has a QB in Jimmy Garoppolo that likes tight ends. You know, he just yep. had one in George Kittle. Um, but, yeah. And that doesn't have a lot of receiver help. So he's going to get work, especially if he can well, prove that he can be trusted. I, I mean, he, there's still receivers there in Devontae Adams, uh, uh, like Jacoby Myers, yeah, exactly. Hunter Renfro, exactly like, in Devonte Adams, and yeah, now in Devon- But the thing is, is, I think the Raiders are really going to live in eleven personnel this year, and yeah. largely because I do think the scheme kind of fits. I mean, Jacoby Myers, I think, is a way better blocker than people realize. To where it's like they can't oh, yeah, get away. They can get away with eleven personnel. He's a big guy for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think Michael Mayer, to me, Michael Mayer is just the new age Tyler Eifert uh, or Kyle mm-hmm. Rudolph. Uh, they kind of give that kind of hold of a player, but Ooh. it's still serviceable. It's still, it. he's still going to get the work done. He just will wait. be out on the field. Like, just so wait. it's like he, I think, I think it's there. Like, I definitely think he is a very capable tight end and to where it goes, oh, hey, I have a solid contri- uh, contributor each and every week. It may it may not like take the roof off of things, but you know what? At a position that has been so like so I guess futile 
outside of Kelsey and the top five like tight ends. Man, if you get eight to ten points every every game out of Michael Mayer, that's a win in my book. That's tier two in my book. You'll get more. I, I see him I th- as another Mark Andrews. Ah, oh, you, you. Oh, I made too much I, sense. I, yeah, no, I. I yeah, made because, too much sense. And, that's my problem. Andrews, so Andrews was a lot bigger, at, like when he was at Oklahoma. Yeah, you know, I can see it. I I can see it. I think that's definitely his ceiling. Yes, for sure. That's definitely the ceiling. Um, but yeah, but I mean, Michael Mayer is still tied in, tied into for us. So you make one, no mistake, one, he is still legit. One Sam Laporta, the yeah. only relevant offensive player for Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about Sam Laporta, drafted before Mayer, before Darnell Washington. He was the second, yeah, shockingly the second tight end taken. I think his, like, I think a lot of people were thinking he'd go down because of injury. If if that's right, I might have that wrong. I'll, I'll have that double checked and put in the comments there. But, uh, for especially with, uh, Sam Laporta drafted to the Lions. Essentially, this is your, you replace an Iowa tight end with, an Iowa tight end. (laughs) They have, they have thing, and we. We respect their preference. Yeah, they have a type. Uh, I think he. I think he'll be good. The opportunity is kind of there. It's. The, I think he can definitely be better than Brock Wright. Yeah. I don't think he. he I don't think he's like Mayor Kincaid to where mm-hmm. either as far as consistency or as far like he's going to be touchdown dependent in my opinion. For me, he's like a. You have the size. You have the skills. Now show me something. Exactly. 100%. I am. I'm in full agreement there. Like, it's not like this needs to happen or that needs to happen or this coaching or this or what. No, like you have it all. You're in a good spot. You know, you're with a QB that now just do it. Somewhat target Hawkinson. Still do something. And that's all I really have to say about it. I, I can't really predict anything. It's, it is it's hard to predict predict him, especially with the other weapons on this team. Right. But um, I think the potential is there. He, he's yeah. a good middle-of-the-second-round guy, I would say. Yep, he, it's it's definitely why we have him in the second round. Um, The next guy is interesting. We put him at high-tier high, high tier two. I think we might be higher on him, but I definitely think the opportunity is what is the driving force behind that. And that is Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State. Uh, drafted uh, the, with the 11th pick in the second round, so that would be that two, would be one Green Bay to Green one, Bay, one who, Green Bay Jordan loves. Yeah, ex- yeah. So I think that so the opportunities there. The reason why he wouldn't be tier one for us, I think, is because we don't know what Jordan Love is, and that's just a big question. Because if Jordan Love is is who the Packers think he is, then he can shoot way up. However, if Jordan Love is not who he is, this gets it gets rough out here. Only thing though, his knee injury in twenty twenty two. Yes, that so he, he will he will have to heal up. Hopefully, he's ready by training camp. Um, Luke Musgrave, he's a very good receiving threat. He is essentially Mike Kosicki to me. To whereas he is a receiving threat, you're not going to get much in the run game. But hey, I mean. The Packers need a tight end presence, and yeah. I think he's when just, it comes to fantasy, he's better than the other Green Bay option right now. Yeah, he's just inexperienced. 
So yes. once he gets the reps, I think the talent's there. He's just got to stay healthy. Exactly. It's all about health for him. Eh, I think I think that's it on Luke yeah. Musgrave. So let's go with our only low maker. Shoemaker, Luke Shoemaker from University of Michigan, drafted in the second round to the Dallas Cowboys. Great Uh, fit. Great fit. Great fit. Exactly. Great opportunity. He's going to be a good blocker. I mean, whether, I mean, obviously, Michigan, you kind of have to be a good blocker, but also the Cowboys, you have to be a good blocker at tight end to even get onto the field. And I think he's going to be good compared to Jake Ferguson and uh, Hendershot. Uh, I just think he's a very capable tight end. I honestly, he might have the same trajectory as a Schultz and a Blake Jarwin to where like randomly one year you go, dang, he's tight end five. <laughs> you know, actually this guy's okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, he, I, I think it's a really good fit for him, which is why we have him in our tier two of tight ends. Yeah, I like him. Uh, he's going to have the opportunity to do it. And if he doesn't do it, then he sucks, and it's his fault in the first place. We're gonna copy and paste that for a lot of players. Uh, just it's just that one that one line that is his fault. That is his fault. And um, let's saw, let's your go. Fault. Yeah. Who would have thought? No. Just, uh, let's go to tier three here. Darnell Washington. Um. Personally, okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Before we get attacked. Before we get attacked. Before we get attacked. Josh, please, please give context to why he's tier three. Okay. I'm going to start off with just a comparison. Beginning of the, before the draft started, Wait, Darnell read Washington. PR read yeah. the PR okay. We here at the Last Place Fantasy Football Podcast will now provide context as to why Darnell Washington is uh, tier three, end quote. We love Darnell Washington. Darnell Washington. We believe in this phrase, draft aliens and prosper. The Steelers did that in round one. In foil. Yep. So, unfortunately, here's the big reason why he's in tier three. I Pittsburgh is a weird spot because Fryermuth is there. Mm-hmm. On top of that, I think he's going to be used as the sixth lineman more than as a receiver. The potential is he, like he is the closest thing to Gronk that we've seen in a long time. Yeah, I think that's fair. And unfortunately, I am nervous to I don't know how it's going to fit because they have Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Najee's still there. So Najee's like he's he is sending a bouquet of like flowers and chocolate to Darnell Washington because he Najee is going to be thanking him. Please, please but, pick up a but I mean it. I mean, they, so they add essentially a six lineman. I think they could legitimately live in 12 personnel all day with Najee as the back, Deontay, uh, and Pickens, along with uh, now Fryermuth and and uh, Darnell Washington as your tight ends. My big issue about this is not Darnell Washington. My big issue about this is one Matt Canada, one Pat Fryermuth, and one Kenny Pickett. Largely because, like, Fryermuth last year would have points where he was invisible. Like, he would not get looked at until two minutes left in the fourth quarter, and then he'll end with three catches for 60 yards, and then you're feeling good about it. And 
I I have a concern like to where if he was getting very like barely looked at, what is happening to Darnell Washington now? It almost like he's going to get barely looked at. So unfortunately, the opportunities kind of got cut in half as soon as I saw that the Steelers took him. Right. But I but think the they'll find the potential still very there. Darnell yeah. Washington, personally, it pre-draft was my tight end too. And He's going to have a role. Yeah. And if he plays the love of the game role, I think they involve him. But yes, 100%. He may be tight end dependent for a while, but I personally, I think he, he can have, he can show them. It's like, hey, I'm a way better tight end. And I well, would I'm, not be surprised to see him like as a starting tight end. Yeah. And it's he's just the opportunity. He plays big, you know, yes. and that's an elite trait. You know, you can't teach you that. You need to have speed if you play big when you're a big guy. And it sounds so simple and so, like, you know, almost goofy to say, but there's so many big tight ends that don't play like they're a big guy. And that yeah. is not a problem for him. Not the problem for him at all. Uh, I mean, like he's literally six seven two seventy. Yeah, he is so, an offensive lineman, but also play, play as the, the hands of receiver. And you'll get your chance. Uh, you know, draft and taxi. Yep, he is. What I could not agree with you more, Ethan. He is a draft and taxi. Honestly, if he went anywhere else, I think he would have been a round two guy. But this is a round yeah. three, round four person for me. And, and rookie unless draft. they're just like, you know what? We don't like Muth. Yeah, See ya. I, it could be that too. Like it legitimately could be that. Yeah. But as far as this year, it looks like it's going to be twelve personnel all day, every day. But with that, we we made it. We have one. Wait, we got one more. Oh no. Okay, go ahead. You do your thing. I. We got the only reason he is our last tier three tight end, and that's Cameron Laptu. Uh, from Alabama, drafted in the third round to the 49ers. I mean, this is essentially just... You, he may not have an impact whatsoever this year, if, as long as George Kittle stays healthy. Mm-hmm. But he might be serviceable if George Kittle gets hurt. Okay, that's fair. And with that, Ethan, I think that's... We, we have we, made it. Everyone take a deep breath. This is just the start. Yep. Um, you know, we're, we're, what, one stage of three in into this thing. So yep. there's more to come. Uh, just take everything with a grain of salt. There's a lot of potential, and it kind of comes down to who you believe in the most, I think. Yeah, I think it also comes down in, like, which coaching you believe in the most, too. It's why, it's why for personally, for, for me, I've always focused on coaching a lot. Because then if you understand the coaching, you understand who's like who is going to get those opportunities. Well, yeah. I mean, last year, look at who we were talking about, the player we liked the most for coaching, Saquon Barkley. Yep. And what did Saquon Barkley do again last year? RB5. Yeah. Incredibly relevant. But he played bigger than that. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. I think it was crazy because I looked at the percent, uh, percentages for most playoff teams. And basically, everyone had Saquon. Yeah. Like, if you had Saquon last year, you were in the playoffs. You were sitting pretty. It was like him and JJ and Josh Allen. Yep. If you had one of those three, you were chilling. I think fourth was Eckler. 
Yeah, it, it was Eckler, and then I think a lot of the other teams like caught CMC on the whim. Yeah, see, I know CMC was up there, and Josh Jacobs was up there. I Josh think, Jacobs yeah. was lower because his average wasn't as good, but yeah. uh, some of the boom performances. But his boom performances were otherworldly. Oh, yeah, when sure. any boom, there was Sonic. Yes. 100%. That, that's merch right there for you, Josh. Yep. <laughs> Writing it down. <laughs> when he boomed, it, yep. All right, anyways, uh, Josh, drop the, uh, the social. Yeah, so you can find all of our info, all of our socials at Last Place FB, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube and TikTok. Um, so we, we're going to be putting out a bunch of different content specifically on these players because this was a this was a good class, honestly. Uh, so you could find all of, all of us there. Feel free to leave a comment about any trade ideas, rookie draft ideas. I don't care if you even disagree with our takes. We would we just love the discussion. We, we love having those back and forth. Our favorite one was the fact of uh, um, a dude they saying, he, "Yeah, like the guy saying, I don't like what y'all thought of the Bears trade because of this, this, and that." I'll t- I'll take those comments all day any day. I love having that. We love having that discussion um, of talking about different play, uh, different players, and different teams, so on and so forth. Well, in in the last rookie class is David Bell, but uh, what did he do again? Um, to to be determined. <laughs> to be determined. I'm sorry. I'm still I'm still waiting. Yeah, we're we're still waiting. He was not a second. Round. I digress. Yeah, but yeah, but I digress. This is your co-host, Josh, along with your co-host, Ethan. Never forget. Never forget. Sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're Ryan, even when he's not here. Most Have a good one, everybody. We will see y'all for the next Rookie Month episode. Oh, wait, the PR script. Thank you for joining. Yeah, yeah thank you for joining. End quote. We will now take your questions. <laughs> Are there any more questions? No questions. Have a good one, everybody.